Carter Report presents worship from the Community Adventist Fellowship in Glendale, California. A special welcome to all of our viewers in North America and our new friends and churches in Russia. Today you'll enjoy uplifting music and the preaching of the everlasting gospel by pastor, teacher, and evangelist John Carter. Please get your Bible and study the Word of God with us today. Thank you for joining us for Worship and Praise. often do you speak to God? More importantly, how often do you let God speak to you? As a young Christian, most of my prayer time was taken up by my speaking or talking to God. And most of them were petitions. Dear God, please bless my family, bless me, bless my church, bless this, bless that. But as I grew older, I realized that I needed to give God more time and to allow him to speak to me through his word. And for the sake of the new Christians that we have here, I'd like to tell you exactly what I mean. Over the last two years, I've had quite a serious health problem. And sometimes I wondered whether I would ever get better. Sometimes I felt afraid. And so what I did, I got my Bible concordance out and I went through all of the texts in the Old and New Testament that mentioned, fear not, do not fear. And you know, I got such a tremendous blessing. And this morning I want to share just a couple of verses with you from Isaiah 41. Or as some of you seem to say, Isaiah. But really, I think it's Isaiah. <laughs> Isaiah 41, and let's look at verse 13. For I am the Lord your God, who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, Do not fear, I will help you. What a wonderful, encouraging text. He will hold us by our right hand. And this encouraged me greatly because I knew that as long as I trusted him, he would never let me go. Then let's go to verse 10. And I have a worship book and I write down these special texts and I include my name, I insert my name and I encourage you to do the same. So do not fear, Beverly or John or Susan or Steve, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. What a picture. Just put these two verses together and here God is saying, I will hold your right hand by my right hand. And you know, I believe that the creator of the universe who holds the universe in place, can't he hold you and can't he hold me in place? And so if there's anyone here today who's feeling a little bit blue, you might be anxious about some problem or some trial that you're going through, just listen to these words from God. Fear not, my child. I will hold your right hand by my mighty and righteous right hand. Amen. 
It is my privilege today to introduce a very distinguished and a very beautiful person whom we love lots, and that's Dr. Julia. Would you please give her a welcome? Dr. Julia, we're glad that you're here. I'm glad to be here. It's, my, it's an honor for me and it's my big privilege to be in the United States and especially to be in your church and uh, to be with Pastor Carter and Beverly Carter. Do you remember when you were baptized? Oh yeah, I remember that very well. Though. It was pouring rain and it was practically just, you know, the streets were flooding and I, I just knew nothing would stop me, though before that I was not quite sure uh, how my, my brother would respond. So, mm -hmm. but you know, when I took the decision, nothing could stop me. And when did the baptism take place? Do you remember? Oh yeah, of course. It well. took place on the 19th of June, 1992. Yes. Has this been a blessing to you? Uh, yes, you know, I have gone through many problems since that time, and there are a lot of problems right now, but uh, the peace of mind I have and the happiness in my soul, I wouldn't trade for anything, for anything in the world. Now, you have a PhD from Leningrad University. Right. And you're a doctor in linguistics. Mm -hmm. um, were you a, a believer in God before you, the meetings? Uh, no, I thought that there may be God or there may not be God, but I just didn't know anything about true God. Um, and it was a great revelation for me when I started attending your meetings. I started your, attending your meetings for one reason only. I wanted to listen to real English speech because mm. I was a teacher of English. I want you to tell the Americans that again. <laughs> <laughs> And All these folks here got a funny accent, Julia. <laughs> now, I want the folks to know that a PhD from Leningrad came to my meetings to hear true English spoken. <laughs> May this day be recorded forever. Um, now, uh, Julia, uh, what happened in your life? after you came to Jesus. What was the greatest truth that you heard in the meetings? Um, the greatest truth I heard there was God's love. You mm -hmm. know, I thought, that, I thought that if there is God, that He is so saint, that He is so holy, and I am so uh, earthly, that you know He is not happy with me at all. And I never knew that He loves everyone, that He loves me. So that was the thing which broke through my soul. I don't know how. I was not planning on that at all. I was planning on listening to English. Mm -hmm. And uh, the great revelation was, of course, just opening the Bible. Because, you know, the things which I learned from the Bible, they were great about myself. I started thinking about myself in a different way. I started respecting myself as um, you know, I knew that God wanted to dwell in me. That was, you know, that was the thing which converted me, that God wants to dwell in me, that he wants to be in me. Thank God. Tell us, that's a wonderful story. That warms my heart. And it makes, Julia, it's sometimes difficult for our Russian people to understand 
that it's not easy to raise money here in this country for evangelism. It's very difficult. And it's a battle, it's a struggle. But when we meet people like you, it's all worthwhile. Tell us a little bit about your television program, what it's called, and tell us how it operates. It's called Face to Face, and you know, of all things, I never thought that I would be involved in television. But then, uh, there was need for programs like that because there are no Christian programs there. And we started just, well, of course, with the help of 3ABN, but there were two of us, me and Vagis, the cameraman who's here today. We just started with a small hired camera, which we still have, <laughs> and no other camera. And we started taping um, people who were converted through your meetings. We started taping Russian pastors. And then we came here to 3ABN, we put that material together, and we started showing those half-hour programs once a week. And not that the programs are too good, and you know all the wonderful thirds, uh, words you are saying about me, of course, thank you very much, but I know how humble I am as a host of those programs. But you know, people are hungry for the truth, they are hungry to hear the word of God. And so the response to the programs is great. So with our humble efforts, we have done programs which really get about 1,000 letters a week and people want to have the Bibles, so... How many Bibles have you given away so far? Uh, we have given away about 20,000 Bibles. Glory be to God. Yeah, and Bibles for children, too. Praise God. Jillian, I would be remiss if I didn't ask a few things about your brother. Okay. <laughs> uh, is he a believer? You know, it's, I wouldn't say no, though it's... <laughs> difficult to say yes. Was he brought up as an atheist? Uh, we were brought up as unbelievers in our family. And yes. you know, he's PhD in radio physics, mm. and uh, all the big scientists say that there must be God, that there is a lot of scientific proof, the order in the universe, in uh, macro world and in micro world, which proves that there is God. So he never says that there is no God. But you know, he, he knew about God from how Orthodox Church teaches. So he thought to cross your heart, to put a handle, is what God wants. And it was, well, as you said, there's a lot of truth in what you said, that you changed me through God's power, of course, and then I started influencing my brother somehow, just explaining the truths to him. So I know that we don't know how God works and why the providence brought you to Nizhny Novgorod, but I know that uh, I have been telling my brother a lot of things which were a revelation to him about God. And now he says that he believes Protestantism um, has much more worth in it than Orthodox mm -hmm. believe. Thank God. And we could tell, Julia, the congregation here, that on the several occasions when the Orthodox Church tried to stop our meetings in Nizhny Novgorod, your brother stood with us. And he has made the statement that while he is the governor of Nizhny Novgorod, we will have full freedom to preach the word of God. And we thank God for Boris Nemtsov. And we pray that the day will come when we will have the privilege of baptizing him into Christ. Let us pray that this will take place. Julia, as I've told you, this congregation with 
the backing of our supporters across North America, are planning a massive campaign in Kiev, or as they call it there, Kiev. Kiev. Uh-huh, I'm learning. Mm? Dobry den, Julia. Um, is it an important city? Yeah, it's a very important city. It's the capital of the Ukraine. One, uh, it is the second largest republic of the former Soviet Union after Russia. And, uh, you know, it's great that you are going to have a campaign there. And I do envy those people who are going to come to the meetings. I know there will be thousands and thousands. I don't have any doubt about that. And, uh, you know, um, the history of Russia says that the Russian Orthodox Church started there, but Adventism started there too. I never it knew comes, that. Yeah, it mm. comes from the Ukraine. It comes yes. from Western Ukraine. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure it will be great. I envy all those people. I envy your translator. He's going to translate for you there. Um, we'd like you to come down too. Uh, Julia, the cost of that campaign, like everything else in the ex-Soviet Union, is going through the roof because of inflation. Our latest estimates are that the campaign, uh, it's going to cost $250,000. Mm. We have an auditorium, which we have already reserved, and put down a deposit that seats 10,000 people. The Ukrainians want us to run two sessions a night. <laughs> uh, we don't know what's going to happen. But Julia, is there a need can you say to the American people and the Canadian people, is there a need? Is this the direction we ought to take? Should we be preaching the word of God in Russia and the Ukraine? Is there a need for us to do this work? You know, I can say from my own experience, uh, my life, I'm happy now. Whatever happens in my life, I'm happy. And you know, there are thousands of people in Nizhny Novgorod who can say the same. And I know that there are many, many thousands in Russia who need to feel the same. So whatever is in your power, you should do. And I know that you are going to do it to help the people learn about God, to help the people open the Bibles, to provide them with the Bibles. So whatever can be done, should be done just for people to feel the same way as thousands of people do now in my city. Bless you, Julia. Thank you. Thank you. We're glad that you were here. God bless you, Julia. Thank you. Last Tuesday night, we commenced a special series, an important series entitled, Who is Jesus? Last Tuesday night, I spoke on the subject, Jesus as God. Today, I plan to speak on the subject, Jesus as man. But because lots of you folks couldn't get here last Tuesday night, I'm going to give a brief summary of what I mentioned last Tuesday night. Some of the points on his divinity, what Jesus said about himself. Please take your Bible. I'm using the New International Version, which is an excellent translation. It's an accurate, scholarly, faithful translation. I want you to turn to John chapter 8 and verse 48 and onwards, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, John chapter 8. And we're going to start, I think at verse 48, John chapter 8, verse 48. I want to give at this time a special welcome to our viewers on Three Angels Broadcasting Network. 
and on the other stations throughout the North American continent, but a very special welcome to you today. John chapter 8, verse 48. The Jews answered him, Aren't we right, right in saying that you are a Samaritan and demon-possessed? Before we go any further, you ought to notice that truth has ever been opposed. Truth and good men have never been popular. Jesus was the Son of God, and yet the religious people of his day, not the Romans, but the people who were religious, said that he was filled with the devil when he was filled with God. You see, they were so confused theologically and spiritually that they confused God with the devil. Verse 49, I'm not possessed by a demon, Jesus said, but I honor my Father and you dishonor me. I'm not seeking glory for myself, but there is one who seeks it, and he is the judge. I tell you the truth, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. At this the Jews exclaimed, now we know that you are demon-possessed. Abraham died, and so did the prophets. Yet you say that if anyone keeps your word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham? He died, and so did the prophets. Who do you think you are? Jesus replied, If I glorify myself, my glory means nothing. My father, whom you claim as your God, is the one who glorifies me. Though you do not know him, I know him. If I said I did not know him, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him, keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad. You are not yet 50 years old, the Jews said to him. And you have seen Abraham? I tell you the truth, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. Not I was. Before Abraham was born, I am. At this they picked up stones to stone him, but Jesus hid himself, slipping away from the temple grounds. The reason they picked up stones to stone him was because Jesus was claiming to be Almighty God. You'll remember on the occasion when God came to speak with Moses. He was Moses being called to lead the people of God out of the land of Egypt. And Moses said, the people are going to say, what is his name? And God said, go and tell the people, I am that I am. Tell the people of God, I am has sent me to you. I am is the name that is given in Holy Scripture to Yahweh Elohim, the great self-existent God. And Jesus standing there before the religious leaders of the most religious nation that the world has ever said who were in the blindness of unbelief, Jesus said to them, before Abraham was, I am, and they took up stones to stone him. I mentioned to the people last Tuesday night that we cannot be patronizing with Jesus and say, of course we know he was a great teacher and he was a good man, because we have these alternatives and these alone. Jesus is either a con man, a madman, or the God man. If Jesus was telling lies, 
then don't be patronizing and say that he's a good man and a good teacher because he's a cheat and a liar and we should have nothing to do with him. But as I pointed out to the people last Tuesday night, examine the teachings of this man. Read the Beatitudes, blessed are the pure in heart, blessed are the peacemakers. Read the rest of his words, love your enemies. Jesus said, you've heard that you should love your friends. I say to you, love your enemies, do good to those that hate you. If a man tells you to go one mile, Jesus said, go with him two miles. I want you to know this today, that the teachings of Jesus, those revolutionary teachings, have changed the world. And can we attribute to his teachings... The idea that the author of those teachings that have benefacted the human race, can we attribute to those teachings the fact that they were authored by a con man or a madman? I tell you, my friend, the teachings of Jesus, the most sublime teachings in the history of the world, are not the product of a deluded mind. I cannot believe that he was a con man or a madman. I must believe that he was what he said he was, and that is the God-man. I'm forced to believe that. I want to read you, and I read some of these out to the congregation. We had an excellent crowd here on Tuesday night. I want to read to you some of the testimonies that the Russian people have sent to me. I want to read... Some that I don't think you've heard before. Dear Pastor Carter, I don't have the words to express my love to you. I thank God for our Savior who sent you to our town so that we might be saved. You know that my son Yuri, whom you baptized, was murdered and through his death, Stas found God. Stas is just 23 years old and is an elder in the church. A former criminal is preaching sermons and no one believes that he used to be a pickpocket. Everybody in the church loves him. We are waiting for you in January. This pickpocket is now preaching the gospel and preaching the teachings of Jesus. I ask you, how could the teachings of a con man, a bad man, a madman, elevate such a man? So don't patronize me and say, it's very nice what you say and we accept Jesus as a good man. If you don't accept him as the God man, then he is a charlatan. There is no compromise in this matter. I thank God that John Carter came to our city. I came to get a free Bible, but then the truth somehow entered my heart. I don't remember when, but the thing that was drawing me to the lectures was an unusual sincerity and spiritual warmth for our day and age. These two things played the most important role in my decision to be baptized. I was only 16 then. I had... I had thoughts about the meaning of life many a time. Why live for tomorrow? We will die. Often I would feel suicidal, but only one thought kept me going, that there might be some sense and meaning, some great happiness for the sake of living. And if I die now, I will never find out what it is. Now I understand that God was stopping me 
on the very edge of the abyss because he'd made a strong decision to save me. Just before my baptism, my parents and my friends abandoned me. And that was the time that I felt very miserable and lonely. But something inside of me was saying, go, this is your happiness, this is your new life. If you don't find it now, you never will, and more than that, you'll lose something very important. And so I went. Never have I regretted my decision, and don't believe I ever will. These two and a half years with God have given me more joy and love than the 16 years I spent without Him. I have become wiser, peaceful, bolder, and stronger in defending what I believe. Even though my problems are still here, I look differently at them now because I have a defender and a friend who will never leave me, Svetlana. Mm. What do you say to those things? I say to you. Dr. Julia is here today. Glory be to God for Dr. Julia. A person who was brought up in unbelief. And she has now been called to minister the word every bit as much as I have. And people's lives are being uplifted. I have seen thousands of people lost in superstition and darkness redeemed, not through the teachings of a man, but through the teachings of Jesus. And so do not patronize me and say that he is a good man. Any man who wrote those teachings, any man who made the claims that he made, is either a con man or a madman, or else he is what he said he was, the transcendent Son of God. And so, we worship him as God, a very God from all eternity. But he is more than God. The Bible tells me that down from his glory, God came down to this world to seek and to save that which was lost. And God became a man. He is truly God, but he is truly man. Would you please come with me? Uh, I want you to come to Philippians chapter 2 and verses 5 to 11 that describes the incarnation. Philippians chapter written by the great Saint Paul. Oh, what a book it is. Philippians chapter 2 and verses 5 down to 11. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God. The Greek language says here that he was in the very form and the very essence of God. This is one of the strongest statements in the Bible concerning the divinity of our Lord, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. Why? He did not need to grasp it, my friend, because he had it by his own right. Jesus Christ is God, a very God from all eternity. There was never a time when the Lord Jesus Christ did not exist. He is the self-existent almighty God whom we worship. Verse 7 says, But made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, 
and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Now the Bible says, my beloved friend, that this almighty God, God of very God from the ceaseless ages of eternity, without beginning, without ending, became a man, born of the blessed Virgin Mary, cradled in the womb of a peasant girl, and born to be the Savior of all men. And the Bible says he humbled himself. The Greek says it implies he emptied himself, he laid aside his splendor. And Jesus became a real man. His humanity was not a make-believe. The Bible tells me that Jesus Christ became a man with our weaknesses and our infirmities. He didn't come down with the strength of Adam in the Garden of Eden, in his sinlessness, but he came down with our weaknesses, but without our sinfulness. The Bible tells me that he was affected by our sin, but glory be to God, not infected with our sin. The Bible tells me he was made in all points like unto his brethren that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest. And the Bible says he was tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. The Bible tells me in the book of Hebrews that he is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and made higher than the heavens. And he is the hope of the human heart and the regenerator of humanity. Why did he become a man? Why did God become a man? I've heard of Hilton missionaries. Do you know what a Hilton missionary is? It is a person who goes from the West to raise money by going to a third world country, but stays in the capital and never leaves the Hilton. Uh, have you, you know what I'm talking about, Pastor? Pastor Howard, he knows what I'm talking about. People who go to some of these countries because it is a photographic opportunity and they will come back and put out a news pictorial when they've never got their feet dirtied on the streets of those filthy places. But Jesus was not a Hilton missionary. He came down. He was born in the slums. Elder Payti spoke about South L.A. Jesus was born in the South L.A. of our day. He wasn't born in a squeaky, clean, hospital delivery room. He was born to the music of the mooing of cows and the bleating of sheep. 
and the braying of asses, and the scoffing of men. He became a real man. I admire many great missionaries. One great missionary in the world today is Mother Teresa, a Roman Catholic saint. That could show most of us what Christianity is about. A woman who works for the poorest of the poor. A woman who has lived for years in Calcutta and has nursed the untouchables, whom I would not want to touch myself. I have been in Calcutta surrounded on one occasion by a throng of, of lepers. I will remember one woman if I shall live to be a thousand, and I will, and more one day. A woman whose entire nose had been eaten away, and when you looked in her face, you looked inside her head. Mother Teresa cradles them bathes them with these dedicated nuns, cares for their bodily functions. When they cannot care for themselves, she cares with her other helpers for their bodily functions because she knows the truth of a God who came down and who became one with us. Don't think I'm saying this self-righteously, because I hope I'm not. One of my greatest blessings when I've gone to Russia, which is going through hard times, a great world power, still a superpower, still with the capacity to bury us if it goes the wrong way, but a power which temporarily is going through a great time of trouble with the collapse of the ruble. And I have stayed in the homes of young people and old people, and I have slept in their beds, and I have eaten their soup and their potato and their cucumbers because I want to be a missionary who feels the heart that hurts. Jesus can feel the heart that hurts. Because he came down. He didn't stay away. He came down and partook of our flesh and blood and experienced the awful tug of sin upon his own soul and fought the good fight for us. I was, where's a Time magazine? Here it is. Mm. I love archaeology and I love astronomy. And in the latest Time magazine, and I'll try to hold it still, and uh, I'll try to get the shine off it. In the latest, the latest Time magazine is dedicated to the universe. Did you know that the new Hubble telescope is making astounding discoveries? And the Time magazine is talking about the revolution in the science of astronomy. 
they have discovered with the Hubble Space Telescope a vast wall. I had never heard about it, Julia. A vast wall that is billions of light years across. A wall in space made of galaxies, other universes, and it's more than a billion light years. That means if you travel at the speed of light, it'll take you a, a, more than a thousand million years to cross it. And they are saying every, almost everything that they have believed in astronomy, most of it now is in a chaotic condition because they are seeing things they've never seen before and they're saying, we knew the universe was vast, but now we are discovering galaxies within galaxies and universes within universes. And the finger on the control of the universe belongs to a man. Jesus. The hand on the control column of the universe and that controls a trillion, 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 trillion universes. The hand on the control has got scars in it. The hand that controls the stars is a hand that has scars. Do you ever feel it's too hard? Don't give up! He came down and he's alive and he is our brother. He's my brother. He came down to sympathize, and to fight, to overcome for me. But the main reason he was cradled in the womb of Mary was so that one day he would be cradled in a tomb. He came down to this earth with one supreme purpose, to die on the cross for our sins. And he, as God, suffered for our sins. As God, he demanded propitiation. And that is the language of the Bible, Propitiation was demanded, and he himself gave that which the law demanded, and on the cross, like Samson, reached out and put his arms around the pillars of Satan's kingdom to bring them down. And so in his death, he saved more than he saved in his life, like Samson. Mm-hmm. Last night, as I studied this and during the week, I was so blessed. When I thought, he is God and he is man. Last night, I took my Bible and I read the story of his death from the four Gospels, and I was blessed. And I read where Pilate gave him over to the rabble at the instigation of the religious leaders, and they crowned him with a crown of thorns, 
And then he was clothed in purple, which was appropriate, because he was a king. And when he was on the cross, he was still a king. And so they had him clothed in purple, and he wore a crown of thorns, and they struck him on the face, and they said, tell us who struck you. And hoping to soften the hearts of the callous multitude, the Roman governor who lacked everything almost in moral worth, but still hoping to save him, brought him out and in Latin said, Behold the man. I say to you today, Behold the man. Behold the God-man. And then Pilate said the words that will echo for all eternity. He said to the unbelieving rabble, thirsting for his blood, he said, I bring him forth that you may know that I find no fault in him. I bring him forth before you today that you may know that I find no fault in him. There is no fault in this Christ. He is God. There is no fault in God. False in us. No fault in him. As a man, he is sinless. He is without peer. He is the transcendent Christ. He is risen from the dead. He is interceding for us. I say to you today, in the words of Pilate, behold the man. And I bring him forth to you today that you will find no fault in him. The multitude has various reactions to this man. Jealousy. If we let him alone, the Romans will come and take away our kingdom. Jealousy. Jealousy is the, at the heart of almost every sin. And then there was poor, vacillating Pilate who said, bring me water. And who washed his hands. But all the water in the world will never wash away the blood of the Son of God. But some of us may be washing our hands of Jesus. You can wash your hands of Jesus in many ways. And I feel inspired to say this, but I have no notes. There are millions of people in Russia and the ex-Soviet Union who are going down to Christless graves and much, much of us in the Western world who could help and save souls are washing our hands and saying, I'm innocent of the blood of these good people. And in washing our hands of the blood of others, we are washing our hands of the blood of the Lord. 
There are various reactions to Jesus. And of course, the only satisfying reaction and the only one that is wise and that gives life is not to wash our hands of him or to crucify him, but to crown him. But to crown him. What we ought to do today as we behold the man is worship him as the living God and fall down at his feet as Thomas did and say, my Lord and my God, behold your God, behold the man. The Bible says, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. If you will confess him today as Lord of your life, as King of kings, first and last, best in everything, if you can say today, I will come and worship at his feet, do so. Now, by the act of kneeling. Our Father, today, we thank you that the God who made the stars, the God who made the Milky Way, and the great wall that has just been discovered, the black holes in space, a billion, billion spinning galaxies with billions of inhabited worlds. Almighty God, we thank you that Jesus, the Son of God, God of very God from all eternity, came down and became a real man, not a make-believe. Fought the fight, won the battle. We thank you because we know that God cannot die. That to redeem us, God had to become a man. And on the cross, it was Jesus, the man, who died and bore our sin away on the tree that we might be saved. Our Father, today on our knees we come in an act of worship. We worship you, the one, the true, the eternal God. We bless you today. By your grace, God, help us to stop washing our hands. But today, our Father, by your enabling grace, we fall at the feet of Jesus and we say, thank you, we love you, we crown you King of kings and Lord of lords. 
By your grace, we will be your obedient children. And we will be true to you. And we give you our hearts. And we thank you for your salvation that you have wrought for us. On our knees, in this sacred moment of divine encounter, We bless you today. We acknowledge that you are the Lord. And we praise you. We worship and we adore you. And we do it in the name of him who came down to this earth and who fought the fight, who won the battle, who died on the cross, who rose from the dead, who intercedes in heaven, and who will come down again in glory. We pray it in his mighty name, the name of Jesus our Savior and our Lord, and for his sake and for his eternal glory, Amen and Amen.